0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you are planning any kind of road trip or any kind of venture where you don't quite know exactly how you're going to get there, but you know where you need to be, or maybe you've got an idea that you need to get to a restaurant, but you don't quite know exactly where you're going to be parking or what the nearest petrol station might be or what you, where you can stop on the way home. Well, honestly... The solution is simple, and I couldn't be more honest about this one. And one of my favorite products from NavMan is the MyCam GPS. And there's a couple of reasons behind that. One, it's a five inch screen, which has all your navigation in one. It's also got a dash cam on the back as well to record everything that's happening on your road trip. But the reason that the navigation is important is for a couple of reasons. One, it doesn't matter if you've got mobile coverage where you're going, as long as you've got a GPS signal, and all the maps are on board, then you're away. You're ready to go. You're never going to have issues with the map not loading, the maps not showing up, or giving you the right directions. The other thing that I really think is important is that restaurant example. So how often is it that you need to go somewhere, and you know exactly where you're going to go. The GPS is guiding you. It's doing a great job of doing that. But then you think, hang on a minute. I need to find a parking station. What's the nearest one to the restaurant? Or on your way there, you're thinking, "Ah, I probably need to stop for some petrol. What's the nearest petrol station? It's one of the simplest things you can do on these Navman devices. There is a big button called Nearby. You press that, the categories are all there, and the categories are vast. You'll find a lot of different types of categories. Um, But for me, it's those simple ones. It's, where's that parking station? Because I can't exactly park my car in front of the restaurant where there isn't even street parking. I need to put it in a parking garage. So the Nearby search for that is extremely handy. The Nearby petrol station, even better if you need it on the way home. There are so many reasons why a Navman GPS does make sense and you really do need to have a look at the entire range. And the reason I love the GPS with the dash cam built in is it's that two-in-one device. It's one device you're plugging in and away you go. You've got that peace of mind that everything's being recorded in front of you and you're getting that navigation assistance at the same time. We're talking about a $299 product. That's a recommended retail price, as I always tell people. Make sure you shop around and take a good look at the entire range, then head into store and make some decisions on your own. Touch, feel, look at the products, even put them next to their competitors. Pretty sure I know which way you're going to go, but head to navman.com.au and find your destination. Let's get on with the show. Jeff Quatromani multi-Australian from Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody, thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Find your destination. Wasn't that a good little way to finish that promo? I made that up on the fly. Now, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Thank you for tuning in wherever it is in the world that you are listening to this show. Welcome. This is a safe space. You can say whatever you like. You can yell right back at me as you're listening to this show. And I unfortunately won't hear it. But if you do have an opinion, you can always reach me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, whatever you like. Or you can even leave a public review, name and shame, how you feel about the show. What do you love? What do you not like? I'm always happy to hear them. One star or five stars. Don't stick yourself in the middle. Pick a side. Do you love it? Do you hate it? You know, you can reach me. There's so many different ways to do it. Now, today on the show, we've got a bit of tech news to get through Netflix, Google, Family Link. Three things that are very different to each other, but I can't wait to tell you about them. And then we've got some big news around uh, Apple. Yep, it's a little bit of an Apple show. It's 50% Apple this week. Um, because they've announced new iPads and an Apple TV. Now, we're going to play a little bit of spot the difference in the new product announcements, but there is some exciting things worth talking about and also some things that you could probably consider now in case you're in, in the market for a new iPad or a new Apple TV. Now, as always, we have opened a bottle of wine. Uh, not always, sometimes it's beer, sometimes it's a cocktail, sometimes it's just coffee. This is another one from Rewild. Uh, We spoke about them a couple of weeks ago. I had their Shiraz. This is their Merlot. This is a $9.99 bottle. It's cheap as chips. It's a very cheap drink um, for 750 mils of the good stuff. This is actually pretty good. Now, I, I had the Shiraz and I was kind of happy with that. I was fairly impressed. But this one... I would prefer the Shiraz, if I'm honest. Um, I like Merlot. Merlot's a little bit softer. Um, not everyone loves that, that sort of big, boisterous part of being a Shiraz. Uh, so this is, might be something a bit more smoother. I actually had this one mostly by itself, not necessarily with food, as I've opened this particular bottle, and I'm honestly enjoying it. Now, there is, for those who are interested in sustainability, uh, veganism, and stuff like that, this ticks all of those boxes. So if you're going to uh, a friend's place and they're vegetarian or they're vegan, or maybe they they live in a hut and they wear those brown hessian pants, this is the exact bottle that you should bring. They'll be very happy about it. But actually, if you brought it to a regular person's meal, they'll be just as impressed. And don't tell them the price because they'll think you're cheap. But honestly, it won't taste cheap. And that's got to be one of the biggest benefits here. Now, let's get on with some tech. Now, first and foremost, Netflix. Speaking of cheap, uh, Netflix has announced a new tier. They have multiple tiers in their pricing structure. Uh, I think I spoke maybe a couple of weeks ago about the fact that I've changed Where I sit when it comes to Netflix, and the big thing that I've done is I've downgraded. I've downgraded from the big dog 4K plan, and I'm now on the more basic plan. Um, I want high definition. I'm okay if I don't get 4K, um, but at the same time, I don't watch enough content on Netflix to warrant having to spend that extra amount of money. I'm not streaming on multiple devices, so that's not a factor. But if you want to go even cheaper than that, this new tier is called basic with ads. Now, it launches November 4th, so get excited if you're really looking to save some money in this tight space that we're all living in. This will cost you $6.99 per month. You will receive ads before and during your Netflix shows, meaning you might be spending up to five minutes per hour watching ads. That's what Netflix is telling us. Now, they've also got a content limitation as well. Now, this is interesting, they say it's temporary. But the big point here is that you won't get the same library as your friends who are spending that little bit extra. And when I say that little bit extra, a Netflix basic plan is $10.99 per month. So at $10, you're going to get all the bells and whistles. Just the quality is reduced, but no ads and all the content. Um, but if you want to save $4, that's going to be how you do it. Now, the big thing I'm going to tell you here is one thing. Um, six ninety nine dollars is the same price as Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. You get videos. You get music. You get a selection of ebooks, You also get free shipping across the Amazon Prime products. And that's for the same price. Now, when I say you get Prime Video, you get Prime Video in 4K. You get the multi- multi-devices. You get it all. No ads. None of that sort of gizmos. And Netflix is thinking that you're going to want to save $4 per month and you're happy to sit through five minutes per hour of ads. You tell me does this make sense to you i was interviewed by someone um, about this on the day it was announced and i said if the four dollars saving per month is really what's going to save your life or save your bank balance then you really need to reprioritize some other things in your life because if four dollars per month we're talking about one dollar per week if that is the difference that you need to make in your life to be comfortable I think we've got another problem we need to talk about. So that's what Netflix is doing. It launches November 4th. If you're looking to save some money, I just recommend you look at the other pricing tiers instead of that $22 a month one. There are other variants along the way before you get to ads, less content, and poorer quality. So something to be considering, I think, at that point. Now, I said we could talk about Google. And the reason uh, behind that is because of Family Link. Now, Family Link is a service. It's, it's the parental control service that goes onto Android devices that are in the hands of your children. And I use this. I think it's a fantastic tool. Um, it basically means that if your son or daughter has an Android device, you can install Family Link on an iPhone or an Android device, and you can then manage that device. You can manage the experience on that device. You basically set up their own Gmail account, and then from there, you can link it to your own Gmail account. And from there, you can start to really make some changes. And that could be just simple things. How much screen time they're allowed to have per day, what applications they're allowed to use, what functionality on the device they're even allowed to use as well. But they've also made some updates recently, and I think this is extremely important. So we're going to have, obviously, those screen time limits. There is the content filters to make sure it's age-appropriate content. Um, but you can also you know, remove content as well. So one of the things that I've seen, for example, is if they use YouTube Kids, you can actually make sure that particular content, even though it's been filtered by youtube already you can make sure that particular content doesn't even appear at that at that level as well with for the new version of Family Link, you'll also be able to do location tracking as well. So you'll have an understanding of when they've gotten to school, when they've left school, when they've gotten home, how much time they're spending in those locations as well. And I think that's going to be an amazing feature to help people just quickly know, okay, Jimmy made it to school on time. We're all good in that sense. So, you know, these things are important. These things mean that you've got that peace of mind. And the other part that they've made some changes to, which I really like as well, is, you know, you can have those limitations around screen time. But what if, you know, they're home they're sick, they've got literally nothing else to do because they're kind of unable to go outside and play and whatnot, and you want to extend their time limit on their their devices. Well, there's now a today-only setting, which means that you don't need to go into your settings and change the entire scheduling of screen time. You can actually say, you know what, just for today, we're going to increase you by an extra hour and it overrides it. And it's just for that day. So you don't need to go back in again and make changes. You can sort of set and forget these today only um, situations. So I think that's a really nice feature. Another thing that they have added as well, but you know that breakdown and the reporting that you can now see on the new screen looks much better as well. The amount of time that they're spending in particular applications, the type of activities that they're up to on their devices, it just creates this beautiful transparency between you and your kids to make sure you have those conversations. So anyway, if you're Son or daughter has an Android device, and that would probably make sense a lot of the times as their first smartphone, only because the cost of entry on an Android device is so much less. I can totally see why people would absolutely go and do something like this, and it works really, really well. Okay, check it out. Head to—I uh, guess it's on Google—but type in Family Link, and you're able to read all about the the latest changes. Um, the short link I've got in front of me is g.co/familylink. Now, let's talk about data again. Data breaches, uh, it seems like the topic of the month. I feel like it's really what's keeping me very busy from a, a media standpoint. But we've kind of talked until the cows come home about the Optus thing. I honestly feel like Optus dodged the biggest bullet on the planet when it comes to the fact that the hacker claimed, or the claimed hacker, I should say, says that they deleted all of the data and it was gone. As if Optus somehow struck gold with the most... Guilty hacker on the planet who had a sense of realization and decided to do them a favor in that respect. Maybe. But then we heard about Medibank. Now, I'm a Medibank customer, so I received a communication from Medibank before I heard about it in the media. And the communication was very clear they said that they had a cybersecurity breach. And they mentioned that certain systems were shut down immediately to prevent further intrusion into their systems. And they also said that they were working with cybersecurity teams and others to see how deep the impact could be from a cybersecurity perspective. And I think I might have received the name and a customer update from Medibank almost once a day or once every two days since the original uh, announcement. And the key message that they kept on saying was there is currently no traces or evidence suggesting that data has been taken. So yes, their systems were penetrated, but nothing was actually removed. No data, no customer information, nothing. Kind of nice nice way to feel. I still actually got phone calls from radio stations at that point. Can you come and talk about the Medibank breach? I'm like, yeah, I can, but it's pretty much a non-unknown story. Almost biting my tongue it has now become a story. Now, what happens when you tend to get hacked is you wait. You don't necessarily know how bad it is until the hacker or the person who claims to be the hacker makes a statement of some respect. Now, in this case, um, the ransomware person, the extortionist, whatever you want to call them, uh, provided on a forum a statement saying that they had taken data and that they would provide proof of their hack with 100 insurance policies that contain claims data, medical services, codes related to diagnosis and procedures, and basic bio data. Obviously, identification and things like that as well. That statement in itself would make a lot of Australians very uncomfortable. And the reason I say that is this, is that you might have I don't know, politicians, celebrities, well known figures as Medibank customers. There's probably a a good number. Medibank is not a small insurance provider, that's for sure. They've got about 3.2 million customers from last time I checked. And this hacker says they've got 200 gigs of data. That's a lot of data. And what makes it worse is they then say that as a threat, they will be sending 1,000 prominent people. Their own medical data. Now, those 1,000 people, we don't know who they are or who they think is a prominent person, but no one wants to receive an email from somebody saying they've actually got their medical history and even showing examples of it and then potentially asking for another ransom before it gets publicly released. Now, this has now been checked and verified, and Medibank has admitted that yes, this is now a legitimate concern. The government has come out and said this is significant. This is a very serious uh, cyber attack, which we need to take seriously. And it's an interesting one to compare this one with the Optus one. And the reason I say that is because when you think about the Optus one, yes, the volume of data and the amount of customers was significant. However, you can change your credit card details. You can go and apply for a new driver's license. You can even now go and get a new passport, which you know, covers you in those respects. You can put those uh, locks and make sure that people can't take out a credit card in your name. Those kinds of restrictions you can put in play. We covered that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. But when it comes to medical history, now, not a lot of people uh, would be too worried if their medical history was made public. Okay, I went to the dentist, I've got braces, um, I had a tooth taken out, you know, things where you've had to make a claim. Now, those simple procedures where you then go and you make a claim, or sometimes it's done at the dentist, for example, they do it automatically and do your rebate the dentist is sending rebate codes. So every procedure, every task that they've done, they actually send codes of those tasks to your healthcare provider. The healthcare provider has a value next to each of those codes. And that is then how the rebate is measured in terms of what you'll get back off your total bill. Now, when it comes to a hospital setting though, yes, it's still managed internally by the hospital. However, the procedures are infinitely dictated by the codes as well. So if you went in for a type of surgery, if you went in for an implant, if you went in for say even a, say a knee replacement, if you went into hospital for a knee replacement, each, each implant that gets put into your body is recorded. Those implants are then sent back as a code to your healthcare provider for the rebate of the device, the medical device. And there'll be other components that would be added into that as well. Now, the reason I say that this is where the water gets a little bit murky is because you might be somebody who's well-known and you may have had some type of surgery, maybe gastric banding. Maybe you've had a cancer diagnosis that you've been trying to deal with quietly. Maybe you've had um, obviously, if you think about the fact that when you go to hospital and you give birth, if you're giving birth in a private hospital, any kind of complications or surgery that may have needed to happen as part of that would also be part of a potential rebate, meaning Medibank may have those kinds of details. There are so many different things that you can imagine happen, which from a medical perspective, that some people would want to keep private. So if you were somebody who had an issue, maybe went to rehab, and maybe there was a particular rebate that Medibank supported on that, um, you don't know. Anthony Albanese, for example, I'm pretty sure he looks like a pretty normal healthy guy. But if suddenly it comes out that he's been dealing with a particular disease or he's been, he's been suffering from something, and as a result, it's exposed in a Medibank breach because he's a Medibank customer, you can imagine the own flow impacts from that. So I think people are going to be more nervous about this data getting out than potentially they would have because obviously there's an inconvenience with the Optus data, but it's not necessarily completely unable to be overcome. Whereas your health data, when that's exposed, you can't change it. You can't take it back. You can't wipe that clean. It, if it's out there, it's out there. And there's nothing you could then do about it. So there'll be a lot of people who would potentially be hearing about this, being very concerned and at this stage, literally at this minute that I'm recording the show, we don't know what will happen to that data. They sound very serious. They sound like they're actually going to action upon it. It could be 1,000 people that do get emailed. They'll obviously uh, promote the fact if they do this email to those 1,000 prominent people and we'll hopefully figure out who these prominent people are that is being decided by these extortionists. But it's a fascinating one to watch and it's not a good one. And I think there'll be, a, again, another people who are concerned, a lot of people worried and rightfully so. We need to have genuine discussions about our data. And now already I'm starting to hear conversations about if I'm signing up to a new service, if I'm signing up to a new product, whatever it is, what is the minimum amount of data that I actually need to give you to enable this transaction to occur? And I think in the past, we've been too generous and too open with giving them whatever data they requested, passing your license across the table because they asked for ID. Well, we need to start having a conversation about how we verify identification, how we actually go through that process. Is there a better way of doing it? I'm sure there absolutely is. I was thinking about a couple of things today. I was actually at a conference and Service New South Wales was doing a presentation. And I started to think about the fact that so many people in New South Wales have the Service New South Wales app because we had to check into places through COVID. We've now got a digital driver's license in the app. Uh, we've got a number of services within the app which we can access as well. And what if there was a way of me holding my phone and when the hotel or whoever it was, if it wasn't an Optus store and they needed ID, yes, I could potentially show it to them. But instead of them entering data, what if they could just click a button and it pops up on my screen to say verify that this is you and you verify that it's you through the Service New South Wales app, a handshake occurs and we're done. We don't actually need to hand over the data. We have verified at that point of the transaction. There is no need for Optus to hold on to the data. They can have a customer ID number if they so choose to, which can be linked to me that I can verify on my phone if I make a phone call to Optus, if I'm chatting online, whatever the case may be. So I think there are multiple ways of doing it. Something I was thinking about a little bit today, I just think we need to start thinking about what we can do to reduce the amount of data we're putting out there and reduce that risk. Because this stuff is getting pretty scary. Now, after this, let's not lighten the mood, but let's talk about Apple. iPads, iPad Pros, Apple TVs, and the little question in between. Now, I woke up uh, one morning this week uh, to about three or four emails from Apple, their PR team, sending me information about some new product announcements. Now, I don't know if I missed something. Did I not see something on Twitter? Was there an event that I didn't know about? No, there was no event. Apple didn't hold an event to announce a series of new products. And that kind of really took the buzz out of it. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to talk about it, but it certainly made you not care as much. And it kind of made sense once I started looking into the detail, why they potentially didn't hold an event and make such a big deal out of these new product announcements that they've made here. So we're talking about a new iPad new iPad Pro and Apple TV. Now, when it comes to those particular products, I guess we haven't seen fundamental changes really since the beginning. Um, I have an old iPad next to me and it has Lightning, so it's not that old. It's not the 30 pin type, but um, it can't receive updates anymore. And that's obviously a limitation in that device now, but it actually still works just fine. It just doesn't get iOS updates and eventually apps won't work on it. And that's a bit of a pain. But the device itself is fine. I don't feel limited by the device. I also have an iPad Pro. And again, when I think about what I do on that device, it's probably not that different to what I was doing on this old iPad that sits in front of me as well. But Apple have announced a new iPad. This is the iPad 10th generation. And it's a little different. Side by side with the 9th generation, it's actually very different. And visually, it is radically changed. I will say that. It has got the um the touch id button has been removed so that means the screen goes kind of edge to edge in the same way that the ipad air does so let's be very clear here you've got a number of devices in the ipad range and it's getting a little bit diluted if i'm honest ipad mini ipad 10th generation now ipad air which is now a fifth generation product ipad pro 11 inch ipad pro 12.9 inch, which is now in its sixth generation as well. Kind of losing track of these generations. It's getting a little bit confusing. I just wish they used numbers like they do with iPhone. It would make things a little bit easier. Now, when I compare the ninth gen with the 10th gen iPad, I mentioned there are significant differences. But when I look at the 10th generation iPad, the new one that's been announced next to the iPad Air in a fifth generation, they actually look physically very, very similar. But it's when you start going into the detail that some of the differences do start to appear. So I'm going to try and have these three devices um, on a screen in front of me and run through some of the spec differences. But then the price is probably where the kicker really does come into it. So the processor is very different on all three of them. We've gone from an A13 on last year's iPad to an A14 in this year's iPad, given the fact they've removed the bezel um, around the edge without the touch ID button. We've gone from a 10.2 inch screen to a 10.9. The iPad 10th gen, compared to the iPad Air, now has the same screen, same screen size, same um, description, it's the same. But from a processor perspective, that iPad Air has the M1 chip, so it is a faster iPad if you've ever felt your iPad was slow. So the A14 in the new iPad is interesting. It's got a 12 megapixel camera, which is an upgrade from last year's 8 megapixel camera. Again, it's the same camera that's in the iPad Air, which is also 12 megapixels as well. Now, you've also got um, a 12 megapixel ultra-wide front camera, which is, again, the same on the iPad Air. And it's, look, it's a description upgrade compared to the ninth generation, which doesn't tell you that much, but it's a description upgrade. The big difference compared to last year's iPad for the 10th gen is USB-C. We've been having this conversation a little bit from an iPhone perspective as to as and when they will do this and they will do it, but now the iPad is USB-C and it's effectively USB-C almost across the board. Now, if I just quickly flick to, yep, iPad mini, USB-C, iPad pro, USB-C, all iPads, all new iPads are now USB-C devices. And that tells you a little bit about what could be coming in the future. It's now a 5G iPad, the previous years was 4G. The iPad Air has already been a 5G device. So, again, we're kind of par on par in a number of factors. Now, I mentioned that the Touch ID button has been removed from the iPad this year. However, they've actually added Touch ID into the Power button, something that is already on the iPad Air. And it's actually something I hope Apple does with their iPhone at some point because I love Touch ID. I used to certainly love it. Having it built into the Power button is the most it's just a genius level of convenience to do that. And I hope that that does happen. If they're never going to do under screen display, um, fingerprint sensor, fine. Do it in the power button. A lot of people would be very impressed and happy. Base storage, 256 gig, can't complain there. Works with the Apple Pencil, um, can't complain there. That's literally the same across the board. But where things start to get different is this, guys. The iPad 9th gen, which is the one with the thicker top and bottom, which has the little home button, the Touch ID button, right? That one is a $549 iPad at base level storage, at 64 gig $549, okay? The 10th gen iPad which has the you know the thinner bezels without the t- without the button on the front. I'm trying to find a way to really describe these properly. The 10th gen, the upgraded version is $749. And then the iPad Air, the one that we described was almost par on par with the new iPad, however it has the new processor the M1 chip. Is nine nine nine. So you look at this broad spectrum of devices, and you can still buy last year's iPad, by the way, and we'll talk about that in a second. But it's almost twice the amount of money on the ninth gen iPad. But it's an extra two hundred dollars, two hundred and fifty dollars, on top of this year's iPad to buy the iPad Air. It's a little confusing just for that extra processing power, which I actually don't think the majority of people would notice. So I think if you're in the market for a tablet today and you wanted to buy the latest iPad. The 10th generation is the one you would get at 749 because it looks just like the iPad Air. It has almost all the same specifications except for that little faster processor and you'll save a little bit of coin along the way. You can go up to 256 gig as I mentioned. They do come in a 5G version or just Wi-Fi. When it comes to weight, um, you know, we're talking about increments of increments here. 477 grams for the 10th gen. Yes, it's lost 10 grams over the 9th gen um, and the iPad Air is another 10 grams lighter again, but they're such small increments. We're talking about half kilo devices here. Your arms will absolutely take it. Now, the reason I'm quickly going to mention the ninth generation again is because I mentioned it's 549 However, it's actually gone up in price on the Apple website. After they announced the new iPad, the 10th gen, the ninth generation went up in price. Now, this is last year's iPad has gone up in price despite being superseded in the same year not a very common thing you would usually do most products after they've been superseded or you know replaced are discounted now here's the here's the kicker officeworks harvey norman even on amazon still sell them for around that 479 mark so if you wanted to buy an ipad and you wanted to save some coin 479 dollars will get you last year's ipad yes it's got the home button on it but it's an ipad it will still do most of the things you want it to do it will still get most of the updates that you want it to get, um, and it should at least have another three or four years left in its in its running time. So it's funny to me that Apple's done that on their website, and I would imagine those prices will start to trickle down into retail. So I'm telling you, it's four seven nine on Amazon. I'm telling you, it's four nine seven at Officeworks and it's four nine nine at Harvey Norman. I don't think that price will stay like that forever. So if you're in the market for an iPad, you want it to be less than five hundred bucks. You can do that today the 9th gen iPad is going to be at that price. I still can't understand why the price has gone up by at least $50 um, in these respects. It's very, very strange from an Apple perspective to do this. And I just had to call that out because it was a weird discovery along the way. Now, I mentioned as well, there is a new iPad Pro. Now, the new iPad Pro has all the bells and whistles to the point that I actually can can configure it to be a $4,000 tablet. It's possible to make this a $4,000 tablet, 12-inch device. It comes in 11-inch as well, as I mentioned. It starts from $1399 for the 11-inch. The base model for the 12.9-inch is $1899. We're not talking about a cheap device, but storage starts at 128 gigs, so you do get double the storage of, say, for example, the iPad Air, which is a 999 device, and it can go all the way up to two terabytes of storage in your iPad. I don't know what people are doing on their iPads that you'd ever need two terabytes of storage, but if you really want it, you can go and get it. It comes in Wi-Fi or uh, 5G as well. I have an iPad um, Pro and I-, I like the screen size. I do, but I don't think I could justify spending this kind of coin on an iPad just because the screen is bigger. In my, in my opinion, you get the, an iPad 10th gen, and you just make a plus version. You just make a 12 12.9 inch version. I don't care if it hasn't got the world's fastest processor or it doesn't have a terabyte or 2 terabytes of data, but just a bigger iPad is a really nice thing to have. It's just a shame that you have to spend so much money on these pro, you know, specifications and things like that to get that larger screen real estate. So, you know, you can go and get an iPad Pro. You can go and spend up to $4,000 if you really want to. It's available from next week. You can put your pre-order in, sell a kidney, whatever it is that you need to do to go and get there. Now, there is also a new Apple TV 4K. Now, what Apple have done is they've actually quickly removed the current model or the previous model Apple TV from sale on their website. So the only thing I can tell you is it's the same price as last year's Model. I can't get deep into the specifications as to what's really been added, but I can tell you some minor tweaks that I've noticed on paper. The reality is the device looks the same. The box, the little black box, looks the same. The controller looks the same. The one big difference you'll notice on the controller now, surprise, surprise, USB C charging. If you want to charge your new Apple TV 4K remote control, you will need a USB C connection to do it. Again, if you don't think the next iPhone is going to be USB C, I think the writing is on the wall all their iPads their laptops now even the Apple TV remote there is no more excuses for the iPhone if it's not USB C next year I will be very surprised I don't even want to try and put a bet on it I'll just be very surprised now it's interesting here because the new Apple TV 4k same price $219 that's a Wi-Fi only version and a 64 gig storage if you want a 128 gig version of the Apple TV, maybe maybe you play some of the games on Apple Arcade and things like that, you need to spend an extra $30, so $249. But that also gives you an ethernet port. So if you want Wi-Fi and ethernet capability, you need to spend an extra $40 or $30, whatever it is I said, to be 249. Um, you do double the storage at the same time so to me that kind of makes sense. It may be money for nothing but just having that ethernet connection for that very stable connection when you need it, um, having that extra storage in case you need it, I think there is an advantage there and maybe it's just worth spending that little bit extra for that reason. Now the other thing that they do have in this new model which you know maybe it is' going to be a uh, something that will blow your mind, but it has got uh, 4k Dolby vision it's HDR 10 plus Dolby Atmos is also supported. I'm pretty sure Dolby Atmos Um, and Dolby Vision was already supported on the previous model certainly Dolby Atmos was but HDR 10 plus I believe is the new feature as part of this new Apple TV Um, I don't really think a lot of people are going to run out to upgrade this device it's again if you didn't already have one yeah you can now go buy one and it's upgraded slightly there's no surprises to me why they did not run an event for these products I think it would have actually received quite negative press if they did that by not making a big song and dance they can just say yeah it's it's an iterative update. Life goes on, carry on with your day. And I think that was a smart thing to do. I'm just disappointed that not a lot of people have picked up on the fact that the ninth gen has gone up in price as part of this announcement. Um, it's a very strange thing to see, but here we are in this strange world that we live in. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have an amazing week. I will speak to you again very, very soon. Don't forget, you can reach out, you can get in touch with me however you like. Send me an email, send me a sky writing, whatever you're going to do. I'll be here for you. Bye bye.